0: And welcome to Casa Loud Chats, a podcast dedicated to Nickelodeons, the Casa Grandes, and the Loud House universe. And I'm your host, Sunny, and welcome to episode 66 of Casa Lao Chats. And again, I apologize, this episode is coming out really late, as it is August, and a lot of new episodes of both the Loud House and the Casa Grandes had aired in July. But of course, this month we are off on a hiatus, and we will be coming back with new episodes next month in September. So I want to make sure I get this episode out before September. September comes into uh, it comes in, and then we also get new episodes for The Loud House. I believe we are always getting new episodes for Loud House. We don't have any uh, announced episodes for Casa Grandes yet, but this, uh, this uh, episode, of course, is gonna be a catch-up episode like last time, catching up on all the brand new episodes of the, the Loud House and the Casagrandes that aired in July, and of course, I can finally talk about the two specials, Save Royal Woods and Fandom Freakout. Of course, I, I know you guys have been waiting for me to talk about those. I'm sure you're also excited for me to talk about Life's Camera Nuclear Reaction, the next David Steele episode, and some other episodes we need to talk about, of course. I also want to geek out about The Worst Job. Like, I'm looking at this list of episodes of very, very excited but also kind of a little worried about talking about some episodes especially the alpaca lies episode I have many thoughts on that one so let's not let's get right into it because of course i have a lot to talk about with these episodes and the news of course is mostly talking about all the announced episodes for both shows i'll skim through those i won't like you'll know, go through everything i'll just skim through it and then we'll go from there because i'm sure everybody knows that we have all the new episodes announced forever for the entire season of season six and of course the ending of casa grande's so that being said let's get into some casa news So, like I said at the top of the show, we do have the full set list of all of the episodes for season six of The Loud House and at the end of the Casa Grandes. So, I'll go through the Casa Grandes as there are four episodes left of season three or the entire show of Casa Grandes. That is crazy to think about. So, we have, uh, of course, The Odd Father. Carlos has to choose between Carlitos' uh, Pandidola and Tiber's Christianing, but will he make the right call? Then we have long shot. Carlota needs a P.E. credit to graduate, so she and Ronnie had set out to find the right sport for her. We have flocked this way. Rosa's family activity of bird watching in the woods goes sour when Sergio gets mistaken for a rare species. And finally, movers and fakers. Tri- tired of not having spa- a space of his own, Bobby secretly moves into a vacant apartment unit in the building. So I think movers and fakers is a great way to end the Casa uh show. Because it's Bobby- it's- basically Bobby's version of that, uh, Laurie episode from season two where she was trying to move out of the house and live in the, uh, in the, uh, in the garage, garage band away from her family. But of course she wanted to go back cause she realized she didn't want to move in right away. And I think with Bobby, He'll probably, you know, he'll probably stay. Uh, hopefully, he'll stay in this apartment. He'll, re- His family will realize that he just wants some space of his own. He wants to be away from them, but he won't be too far away. My headcanon is that he'll probably move into the, that empty apartment that they were going to try to get Arturo to live in in Operation Dad. That's my headcanon right now. I don't know they'll go with that uh, during that episode, but I think that's the perfect way to end the show, and I am very sad that the Casagall Days will be ending we won't get any new episodes with them in their own show but I'm very excited that of course they'll be moving over to the Loud House as we'll see them uh, more often, because well, what we found out about these episodes from The Loud House, they are making quite the appearance in Season 6, I will say. I'm very, very excited that this season will not be forgetting the Casa Grande's like a certain other season, <coughs> Season 5. You know, so hopefully this means we'll get to see them in the main show, and that will be good, and we'll just be Bobby for the Casagrandes. So I say thank you the- to the Casa Grandes for making an amazing show. I can't wait to review these last episodes, and maybe I might just say my thoughts of the spinoff overall and how I will feel about them in the future going forward in the Loud House. So with the Loud House, of course, we know all the episodes of season six going forward, so let's go with that. Um, So actually, we do have have brand new episodes of the Loud House airing on September 5th, and one of them airing is Crash Course. The Loud siblings intervene when they think that Lori is failing out of uh, Fairway University, And that episode is going to be paired with a Stella performance. Stella wins a school competition and is super excited until she learns she has to give a public presentation and Nickelodeon released a promo for these two new episodes and of course uh, Stella is looking very derpy and nervous about this uh, performance she has to do, this uh, this public presentation she has to do and with the, uh, the Laurie episode uh, this seems like the siblings are going to be spying on her and trying to figure out what's going on with her uh, failing uh, school and of course with that, Lincoln is and the promo, Lincoln is dressed as David Steele. So they are continuing to show his love of David Steele, and I think, like, they're gonna have like, costumes or like, disguises to uh, disguise himself at fairway. I, and it's like Lincoln's like, I, I'm prepared. And, and pulls up with a spy suit. I love that. That's great. Um, and I believe the next episodes that are airing that week, uh, S- September 9th, are What Was My Cheer Lady is now being called Cheer Pressure. The cheerleaders challenge Lynn and her teammates to a cheer-off when Lynn dis- dismisses them as athletes. So this episode I am very interested because it gives a very interesting insight into Lynn's character and how you would think Lynn would like every single sport but this actually gives her more of a bias towards a different sport where it's like ah cheerleading that's not really a sport so I actually kind of like that it gives more insight to uh, Lynn's uh, perspective on sports that aren't really sports you know like like to her cheerleading is not a sport and then, of course, the one that's paired with that one is Stroke of Luck. Lori becomes a celebrity at school when she hits a hole-in-one on a notoriously difficult course. So back-to-back Lori episodes! There you go, Lori fans! Season 6 is not its not failing at forgetting Lori. We're getting back-to-back Lori-focused episodes. And this one specifically seems like a fairway-slash-Lori-focused episode. So I think with Season 6, they are really, really improving on what was... What was missing on Season 5? A lot of the critiques we had of Season 5, and they're really thinking about what they should have done with Season 6, uh, with Season 5 into Season 6, and give, giving Lori more episodes, because Lori was so forgotten in Season 5, and, and, yeah, she is still kind of forgotten in Season 6, of course, but now they're actually giving her Focus episodes more than she did in, like, Season 5. So I think it's great that they're actually trying to remember her, and Fairway, and to give us a, a Fairway episode that isn't, a full special that's like a Halloween episode. (laughs) Um, so moving forward, uh, with that, of those episodes that are airing, I believe those are airing around seven o'clock, uh, the Stella performance and, uh, the, uh, crash course on September 5th, so this area on Labor Day. I will be able to see those episodes, so that'll be good. Same thing with, uh, the ones on September 9th. Uh, then we have Space Jammed. Annoyed by Lenny's intrusive babysitting, Lisa accidentally blasts herself and Todd into space. Then we have Crown and Dirty. Uh, Lola tries to whip Mom into tip-top pageant condition for a mother-daughter pageant. Then we have The Orchard Grief. When Lincoln and Clyde overwater Howard's rare orchard, the two embark on an adventure to replace it. Then we have forks and knives out. Lynn Sr. Senior- Senior is stoked to compete on a televised cooking show until he learns he's up against Rosa Casagrande. So yes, a Casa crossover in the Loud House. How long has it been since we had that? <laughs> that isn't just a-, a-, a Bobby appearance with Lori. Since... Since season four! That's insane, right? That, that 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 is crazy that they're doing this in season six. I can't believe they actually remember the consecration in season six. Thank goodness. And a Rosa versus Lynn Sr. episode? Like, that's that's great because we ha- we kind of had their rivalry at last Thanksgiving and now we have a full episode about it. That's pretty awesome. I'm very, very stoked for this episode. Then the loud cloud. Tired of mom's sticky note system, Lincoln and Lisa create an app to keep track of the family schedule. Then you oughta know better. Lana creates an auto bo- body shop to try and buy a new bike, but her shop turns corrupt when Flip becomes her mentor. And then the, what is the untitled Halloween special? So we don't have a name for this yet, but the Louds team up with the Casa Casagrandes for a Halloween storefront decorating competition, but things get out of hand when they use Lucy's spell book to make the Mercado extra spooky. So what's crazy about this is that we just had Fan Freak Out, which was again a wow Casa crossover in the Casa Grande that was kinda like a spooky episode but it's not really a Halloween episode, it just has ghosts in it, where Wicked and Clyde finally uh, you know, are interacting with Ronnie and Sin. We but have the O T four finally together in an episode and I can't wait to talk about that episode. Um But this is crazy because this is like the second time we've had a Wildcasa crossover that's a a holiday special. Of course, we had the first one being the last Thanksgiving. But this is a Halloween special. Which, of course, the Louds and Casagrandes have both had Halloween episodes or specials, of course. So now they're coming together to cross over and, uh, and work together to uh, to work on a decorating competition. And, of course, this means that the Louds are going to be in uh, the city, not the Casagrandes in Royal Woods. So they're going to be helping them with the Mercado. So I assume that means they're helping them with the to the Mercado, as Roddy and Bobby do every year. So maybe they are trying to, you know, decorate this... Um the, the the mercado for this competition, and of course, it doesn't look right, and they're trying to compete, so they're like, okay, we need help with um with uh, decorating the mercado, and then Roddy and, Roddy and or even Bobby hears from Lauren Lincoln that Lucy builds a maze a haunted maze every year, so it's like, oh, let's get them to help us with the mercado, and maybe use Lucy's spell book to make things more spooky. Like that will be so cool to just have again a whole special where the Louds de Casagrandes cross. And hopefully, it's not like Curse where they're in the second half rather than the first, or it's like Phantom Freak Out where again, Lincoln and Clyde show up in the first act and then we get them through the entire special. Like, this is going to be insane just having another Lao Casa crossover in the main show. This is a big moment for the show since, like, again, Last Thanksgiving or even like the other cross- Casa uh, uh, crossovers in the main show that again, season six is not forgetting the Casa Grandes. I love that. I just hope this means that Rodney gets to show up at least more than once this season, you know? You never know what's gonna happen, so... I guess she'll show up in this special, obviously, and, uh... If is not dressed up as David Steele for Halloween so Rodney can see him in the suit, I'll be very disappointed, Loud House. And I hope Lincoln is just not dressed up as Ace Savvy. (laughs) Like, come on, let it be David Steele, please. Just give that to me, and I will not ask for nothing else. Thank you. Um... Then Pop-Pop the question, when the kids discover Myrtle has a shady past, they try to expose her before Pop-Pop proposes. A uh, witted order. Wind and Liam butt heads when they're forced to partner up as the middle school hall monitors. A uh, snow escape. To make it to school, the Louds must survive a monstrous wind when the weatherman declares it a packing day. Uh, Snow News Day, when there are signs of a Yeti in Royal Woods, the action news team sets out to prove its existence. Uh, Day of the Dad, Lori struggles to make a good impression on Bobby's dad after accidentally pushing him into a puddle. So this is crazy. Like, this is gonna be the episode where Lori either first meets Arturo for the first time, or this is like the one of the times she's ever interacted with him ever in the show. Like, she's, the fact that she's trying to make a good impression on him... I I never thought they would do this episode, but I'm very excited about it. So, like, you know, I feel like Arturo knows Lori because Bobby always talks about Lori as we've seen in the show constantly. Um, so knowing that she's gonna try to make a good impression on him, because, of course, this is gonna be the guy that's probably gonna, like, you know, uh, give Bobby the blessing to probably marry Lori someday, and (laughs) I am very excited about this, and I would love if Arturo would ever have an episode like this with Lincoln, if you know what I mean. (laughs) But, you know, I'm very excited for this one. This is very, I'm really, I'm really excited about this one. Just to have Laurie finally interact with Arturo and what his feelings are of Laurie to to know if she's good enough for Bobby. I, I, I enjoy seeing that. But after after alpaca lies, I just hope they don't make him kind of a, a jerk in this one, when Lori accidentally pushes him into a puddle. <laughs> I mean after alpaca lies, maybe that was not per maybe that wasn't an accident, but you know, I'm just joking here. <laughs> A small blunder. Desperate to have the best show and tell in class. Lily takes Lisa's shrink ray to school. A fashion no-show. Lenny and Carlotta's working styles class where they both are interning for a famous fashion designer, Marella Moss. So, I literally had this episode, right? I've literally mentioned it before. They should have done a Carlotta and Lenny episode since the beginning. They did a Lisa and Sid crossover episode in CASA, which again, I'll be talking about later, which is a great episode, by the way. Uh, but I really think they should have done the Lenny and Carlotta episode. Like, that should have been the first one that was on their mind. But they're finally doing it in the main show and I'm very excited for this one. Like, this is literally the episode you should have done. It's the perfect premise. You should do it. And there you go. And then doom service, the labs book a stay at an all-exclusive resort only to find the vacations, not what they imagine. The Hurt Lockers, when a sinkhole opens up at the school, Lincoln and his classmates are forced to share lockers. And Love Stakes, when Lana brings home a skunk to a rehabit- to re- rehab it, Lola grows attached when she finds the skunk has a finer taste. So yeah, it's a crazy lineup for season six. There's a lot going on during this second half of season six. It, it looks insane. Like, there's some really interesting interesting stuff this season, and I mean, I, I, the one thing I actually kind of am disappointed about is that Luna only got one episode this season, poor Luna fans, um, but I am very very excited for the second half of all of these episodes, they all sound very, very interesting, and it's gonna be crazy that season six might end very soon, but I don't think that's the case, cause, you know, Nickelodeon, they'll stretch out things, of course, cause Costa still has four episodes to air, and then their show is over, so they kinda have to stretch out things, and, but but like, from seeing a lot of these episodes, it seems like they're really, you know, like they're really taking a lot of risks. Like, I'm very, very excited to see how these episodes will play out and how this season will go moving forward. Because, you know, this season has done a lot of great stuff. And I think they're really going back to the roots of the Loud House. And I think Season 6 has done a really good job improving on what what Season 5 should have done. And it seems like, you know from this lineup, there isn't a lot of *Waking and Fried episodes this season. You know, they, they've really been uh, pu- pulling away from the Lincoln middle school stuff to focus on more characters, and I like that, especially because, again, they have to they have to make room for the uh crossovers. And I wasn't expecting, like, three crossovers this season, but or four? I think it's, like, four, right? So there's Forks and Knives Out, there's the Arturo and Lori one, there's the Lenny, Carlota, and the, uh, the, the special. So there's four, which is crazy again more than what season five did you know so I am very very happy about that and you know so then eventually season seven what is the possibility of more crossover with the Grande's and how they'll be incorporated back into the main show but yeah season six is very stacked season I'm very very excited for it hopefully these episodes will be great you know this season again has been very solid and I've been really enjoying season six so we'll see what happens moving forward So yeah, that's about it for news. I'm just gonna just do do that talking about new episodes uh, announced. So let's jump right into the episode review, shall we? Um, So I have a specific order I wanted to put these episodes in. I don't remember which order these episodes aired. So I'm just going to get a specific order that I wrote these down in. So the first episode we're going to be talking about is Puns and Buns. Benny struggles to rate in Luann and her practical jokes when she becomes his co-worker at the Burpin Burger. So I really liked this episode. Like, it's it's been a while since we had a Luanny episode. The last one we had, I believe, was in season four with uh, Pimple Plan. But this time, the episode was focused on Benny. You know, like, having the love interests have more, uh, have the main focus in this episode was really great. Because, again, we don't really know much about Lenny. Not Lenny. Uh, uh, we don't know much about Benny, and I've really enjoyed his character in this episode, especially because, again, like, he really did want to get closer to Luan since, you know, he he's had a couple of jobs. They remembered the job he had in uh, Stretch for the Part at Dairyland. But now he's working the Burbon Burger and so he, you know, wants to hire Wayne to, you know, work with her because she's his girlfriend. But then Wayne uh, doesn't really, like, Luann is just doing jokes and practical uh, jokes at her job and is really being a bad uh, employee. So her his manager, uh, who is named An- Andre? Yeah, Andre does actually a reference to Clyde's uh, second VA, Andre, uh, which is really cool. Um wants to fire her, but, of course, Betty doesn't want to fire her because she's his girlfriend and he would feel upset if, like, maybe she would break up with him. Uh, But, of course, at the end of the episode, I like the message that there's a time and place for jokes. You know, like, Wan may think that, oh, pranking around and, and joking may be fun because you're with your uh, boyfriend and you like joking around with each other, but there's always a time and place for jokes and you have to be serious. And I really liked that lesson that Wan had to learn that, you know, you have to take things seriously. You can't always joke around with these kind of things. So that's what I really liked about the episode, fleshing out Betty's character and giving a very realistic uh, lesson to Wan. Uh, let's see, what's next? Uh, yeah, next is food courting. Oh boy. (laughs) Food courting. When Lenny realizes Miguel has a crush on Gavin, the new food court employee, she sets out to help Miguel woo him. So, I have a lot of mixed feelings on food courting. And, uh, I'm gonna actually echo what uh, the boys Nate and Omid said on their podcast, especially Omid. Um, there's a character that I think Gavin should have been in this episode. I don't know if you've ever heard of this character. It's an OC that was created by by a good friend Berheseo Art named Kurt Logan. That's the Gavin that should be in this episode. (laughs) You want, you want, like, Lenny fans, you want a cohesive, like, you know, like, consistent love interest for Lenny. Just go to, just go to Rohisu, okay? And that's all I'm saying. That That's my plug for, uh, for Kurt. Because I love Kurt, I love Rohisu, so I'm saying it right here. Kurt should be canon, Loud House, because at this point, you gave Lenny four, four love interests. You got Chaz, you got the, you got the, the, the turkey tail guy, the fluffy-haired, black-haired guy, you got Scott for the movie, and now you have Gavin, which makes no sense to me. Like, the fact that, like, they decided, oh, like, you know, uh, Miguel would have a crush on this guy named Gavin. And then Lenny tries to, like, you know, she tries to be a good friend by convincing Gavin that, you know, him and, uh, uh, Miguel would be a good fit. But Gavin's like, oh, no, I-I see what you're doing, Letty. I've always liked you. And it's like, kinda yikes, bro. Like, Gavin, the way he comes on to Letty is really, really yikes. Like, I don't like the way he does that. And then in the episode- Letty is trying to be a good friend by setting you know, Miguel up with Gavin, but then she's also like, "I may also like Gavin too." It's like, where did this come from? Like the fact that Letty starts to like Gavin because G- Gavin is so desperate for a girl to like, for for Letty to like him. That's like, oh, I kind of like him too. This came out of nowhere. Like, I really don't like the way they emphasize that Letty would like Gavin too. It just doesn't feel right. And even at the end where it's like, oh, just get get to know Gavin better, Miguel like gives Lenny her blessing to like get to know Gavin better. I'm like, no, we all know that this is the same song and dance with Lenny. This is just just this, this, this is just gonna be a one-off. We're never gonna see Gavin again. It's not gonna be anything. Like, I would be shocked if they remember Gavin like season seven. There's no way. But the consistency of Lenny's love interest there's no way. She's, like, trying to compete with Lincoln in terms of forgettable love interests. Well, at least Lincoln has a consistent one. <laughs> well, two. Okay, let's say two. Um, but, you know what I mean. So, like, with Letty, it's like, no, they're, they're not going to do anything with Gavin. Um, I just hope they keep uh, going forward Felix and, uh, uh Felix and Miguel. Because I like that least they they basically did give uh, Miguel somebody that actually did like him from the start. And then the next episode is Lights, Camera, Nuclear Reaction. Uh, Lincoln and Clyde's David Steele movie turns to high stakes, but Lisa builds a nuclear reactor. So yes, this is the, the continuing of the David Steele stuff from uh, Season 5. which We had Season 6's Present Danger, of course, which is my favorite episode so far of Season 6. And I love the continuation of the David Steele stuff with this episode where Lincoln and Clyde were making an unofficial David Steele movie because Lincoln does the, uh, the ad for flip where it's like the uh flippies the other uh, the official drink for the unofficial david Steele movie and i love the whole opening of light's like, camera nuclear reaction uh, nuclear reaction they make it feel like a movie where they have like the what is it like they kind of make it look, look look very cinematic and i just love the way they do the intro, the David Steele intro where they have a song like a James Bond uh, opening sequence and they do it like a James Bond opening sequence. So I really really hope in season 7 we do get like a full on David Steele special where it is like they could do a full title opening sequence parodying a James Bond movie. So this one felt like it. Like *Present Danger we had a little snippet of the song with Lincoln doing the, the, the gun barrel and it's like it's David Steele and then this one was actually like they had more lyrics to it where it's like, um, like they just, uh, uh, I forget the lyrics now but it's like there's a like a longer version of it and I just love the way Grey Delisle does the song and then of course we get the iconic opening shot there with Lincoln uh, driving the car and Clyde is in the car with him and then of course uh, them posing with Todd it's just just perfect, absolutely perfect I want them to do a David Steele special or a, a movie, like wait, make them do the movie, I want to see a David Steele movie <laughs> like the Loud House 2 David Steele movie should happen, they should just parody a, a James Bond movie, I would love to see it um <clears throat> Excuse me. So, yeah, I really enjoyed this episode, especially because again, it has the pairing up of Lincoln, Clyde, and Lisa. You know, Lisa's the one that built the reactor, and it's like, oh, well, you know, she built a real one. He's like, you think that, what? Lincoln was like, wait, that's real? It's like, you asked for accuracy, Lincoln. And I love the-, the running gag where Lincoln's like, you know, there's only one secret agent that can stop and his name is, and Clyde's like, uh, Lincoln, Lisa, are we left? <laughs> uh, secret agent David Steele. <laughs> and there's one joke in there that, like, I'm still questioning as to. To when like uh, they're questioning where Ty could be, in. Like, is like, "Oh, good thing David Steele has an international spy network at his disposal. So I'll just, I'll just uh, forward my our agent and where and, and here and then there. I forget what he says, but like I was wondering." Who was like contacting? Cause like, wait, who? What? Who are these? Uh, sources? Like, maybe it's Rusty, maybe it's Stella. I don't know. My head can is because I have a, uh, a David Steele AU. Is that it's Ronaldo uh, the Ronnie Anne, and Carl, Secret Agent Carl? Because yeah, that's my head <laughs> Um... But what I also really like about this episode is that they're really making Todd into, like, an unofficial member of the Lau family. Like, the way to defeat Todd is through the power of love, like, reminding Todd of all these memories and snapping him back from evil to- to good. Like, I just like the way that, like, they're basically making Todd an unofficial Lau member. Like, he was always there and just now he's kind of part of the family and they love him. And when Todd is like, oh, I'm sorry, my beloved children, I'm just like, oh, Todd! <laughs> You make me feel things for a robot. And I also love the little continuity nods of the David Steele continuity in the show. Like when Lincoln is going to stop the, uh, the the reactor, he basically uses, uh what is it like? He uses, is it pudding shoes or he uses, um oh, oh no, he uses relish shoes? No. Oh my gosh. He uses some sort of dressing shoes, like he uses the dressing in his shoes. And it's a callback to Family Body when he uses the pudding shoes. I can't re- I can't remember what he uses now, but he said it in the episode. I'm blanking on it, but I really really enjoyed this episode because they are really leading into the spy genre when it comes to these David Steele episodes, and that's why I really love about them because *Present Danger* was basically a whole homage to the James Bond movies, with especially *Casino Royale* and *Doctor No*. Like it felt like they were really taking a lot, or even *Goldfinger*. It felt like they were taking a lot from James Bond movies and doing references, and of course taking that stirred and. A lot of Wicked's lines are just iconic. Of course, the card scene and uh, so uh, you feel lucky. (laughs) You know, like a lot of that stuff is really like leading towards the genre. And then here it felt very, um... I think my friend Josh said it was definitely much like a reference or homage to Gold- uh, Golden Goldeneye, um, which I feel like is very good for this episode. I like that they're really taking inspiration from the James Bond movies and just putting a twist on it. And I just love this whole James Bond thing. The James- I love this whole David Steele thing. It just really leads into Lincoln's maturity, into becoming David Steele, really embracing this special interest of his now. And, you know, it's really, really... T- uh, it's really take it off because I just love the way they're embracing the spy genre with these episodes and again just the beginning is my favorite part just like the cinematicness of the beginning with again <laughs> Todd being the evil robot and Lincoln just going oh it's you, you. I, I, I! what is it um uh, oh, it's you. I should have known. Like, that's the same energy as are You feel lucky. You know, it's just like, so great. I love it It's, it's so much. And also having Clyde back as the uh, Agent Alloy, which, again, is a reference to when they had the uh, David Steele theme song in Present Danger. They call him the, uh, what is it? Uh, your Alloy... Uh, your alloy ally, which alloy is a type of iron. So, well, technically, uh, Clyde is Agent Alloy, which is, again, a pun. So, you know, David Steele, Agent Alloy, you gotta have the puns there. I love it. Like, there's also a pun in the song, too, but I can't remember it now. Oh, it's, uh, he was, what is it? Oh, it's like the song is like, uh, he, he uh, f- forged the fire from QB and carbon, and iron. <laughs> it's David Steele. Like I should be like waking up, uh sleep states. word. and up next, David Steele. <laughs> Just I love it. I love the David Steele stuff. I hope they continue it more. I love the r- little references they've been having in the show for it. But like again, in uh, in the. Looks like in the Laurie episode, he'll be dressed up as that. The Sleepstakes one, and at food courting, when Lenny is uh, giving uh, uh, Miguel uh, advice to talk to Gavin, she's like, "Oh, this is this is literally David Steele secret spy stuff from Lincoln." I'm like, "That's my W right there." <laughs> uh, so I love it. So uh, I can't wait. I hope they do more, and hopefully, we get like a special or. And then, uh, what is next? Uh, then next is Save the Last Pants. Rusty tries to bring the fun of Gus's to duds for dudes when he's in charge of the store. So I was I was very excited because Rusty was the only member of Lincoln's friend group to not get a Focus episode. He's had Focus moments, like, of course, in, uh, Frame on You and Present Danger, of course. But they've really been stepping up, uh, Rusty as a character and giving him his own Focus episode as he deserves. Now, I'm... <laughs> a little bit mixed on this one because what I like about this episode specifically is Rusty's development with his dad. I think the stuff with him and his dad are great. The stuff with his friends, not so much. Like, the one thing I complain about with Lincoln and Friends episodes is, like, when Lincoln is just with his friends, his IQ drops, like, 50%. It makes them all kind of, like, idiots. Like, this episode is basically the boys are boys and Stella just rolls her eyes because she's the only girl in the group, basically. Um, But, you know, I think it's a good episode just for Rusty's development. I like when he remembers what his dad told him to help uh, Mick Swagger actually buy the pants that were kind of messed up. It's like, you'll look good in these. You want the best ones? You know, just remember that they're always, you know, looking good and stuff or whatever it is. But, like... It's just a it's just a kind of okay episode. It's not amazing, but it's just good that Rusty got his own episode and I really like Rusty, so I'd say good for him, but it's just an okay episode. Also, I apologize. I sound a little sick. I might be getting allergies, so I apologize for that. Um, So the next episode is uh, Hiccups and Downs. Luna needs to get rid of a nasty case of the hiccups before a big rock competition. So yeah, this is like Luna's only episode this season. I feel bad for Luna fans, but... Um, this one is pretty good. I would say, uh, it's, you know, pretty, pretty decent. But I think the most interesting, uh, I think my favorite part of this episode specifically is Lynn and Lincoln. <laughs> what I love about this season, or just, uh, anything after Just to Cook, they're basically making Lynn and Lincoln, like, two idiots that have, like, the same brain energy, where, like, they're like, hey, Luna, we're gonna help you with your hiccups by making this full-on contraption where you jump in the pudding, and Luna's like, why is there pudding? And Lynn's like, oh, that's just for our entertainment. <laughs> and it's like, why did these two collaborate on this? I don't get it, but then they're just so excited that someone just fell as the pudding and they just start high fiving each other. Like they're just two dumb brain cell idiots. I think that's really great. Like I love that they're really fleshing out Lincoln's developments. Uh, as a sibling pair, and I think that's just, that's what they, sh- they should do moving forward, instead of always stinking, stinking, stinking with Lynn, you know what I mean? Um, but I think Luna's stuff is good here, like, majority of L- Luna's episodes are always kind of the same to me, where it's like, hey, big competition coming up, oh, something goes wrong, oh man, what's gonna happen with this competition? But I did like the ending, where she did incorporate her hiccups into her music, and they won the competition, so that was nice. And also, she blushed at Sam, so we got some Saluna, um, and also I like that her friends, the other two band members, got some development too so it's pretty good but i think the best part about it is just the siblings helping out luna and i like again that they're trying to incorporate the siblings all as a family helping out one character in episodes more like they did in the past then the last one from the loud house is the loaf boat the Mortician's Club plans Bertrand's escape from the cruise ship his parents work on. So it was nice that they actually brought back some continuity from Season 4's Great Mistake where Bertrand was leaving the Mortician's Club to go on the cruise ship with his parents. And of course shout out to Nino who got his little W with another Mortician's Club episode. And I don't have a lot to say on this one because again it's a Mortician's Club episode and I don't really have a lot to say on these ones. I just thought it was a pretty okay episode. Nothing amazing, but I did like how his parents basically thought, oh, when, we th- when you said you were dying inside, we thought you were happy. <laughs> so I liked that his parents kind of like embraced Bertram's, you know, gothness or emo-ness, whatever the word is, I guess gothness, but they really didn't understand he actually wasn't happy on the cruise ship. So, you know, it's hard to say whether I, you know, have much to say on this one, but I just thought it was a pretty okay episode. All right, so let's jump over to the Casa Grande, shall we? As we have a bunch of episodes that aired. Of course, we have back-to-back Carl episodes, so let's do that. So the first one is Sidekick and Chicken. After hearing about a contest to find El Falcón's next sidekick, Carl becomes El Polito and tries to win. So I think this is Carl's best episode to date. This really portrays Carl in a better light to me. It's really a lot where this episode shows a lot of Carl's character development throughout the show. We really see a lot of how Carl goes about, you know, certain episodes where you think he would, you know, lie or cheat or try to get his way in certain things. And that something like the episode The Sound of Metal kind of does where it goes back to Carl's roots as a character. This one, he actually, what he, um, you know... Uh, tries to get into this competition, tries to be the sidekick, but ends up losing. His other friends Adelaide and Alexis, which it's crazy to see both Adelaide and Alexis both in the same episode together, as they're both like Carl's two true friends now. They both get in into the the finals, and Carl doesn't. You would think with Carl's past actions, he would try to sabotage Adelaide and Alexis chances to get in, but he actually doesn't do that. He actually tries to find ways to convince the judges that he should be in the competition or be in the finals. He doesn't do anything to sabotage his friends. And in the end, when his friends do rescue him, he actually gives the tape... To his friends of them saving him to show to the judges that actually they deserve to win other than him. And that really shows a lot of Carl's growth as a character. That he really sacrificed his happiness for his friends. He knew his friends deserved it better than him. Even though technically in my mind they didn't. Because Adelaide only only entered the competition because she thought that El Falcone needed a strong female character. So... Adelaide is is very ahead of her time. She's basically one of those Twitter people that is like, we need strong female characters. And she doesn't even watch El Falcone. So I understand Carl's, you know, predicament where his struggles where these two who are actually not really big fans of El Falcone are entering the competition and he is a super fan and he wants to win, but of course he doesn't. But in the end, he actually does get his character on the show just as a supervillain because they see that Carl's, you know, character, his uh, personality is more like a supervillain. And he's like, yes, I finally got on the show. And Adelaide's like, you're not mad that you were a supervillain? he's like, ah, I knew that would happen. Like, I love Carl's optimism. Like, he wasn't upset that he became a supervillain. He was just happy to get on the show the thing that he loves, the thing that he's passionate about, even if he's not the sidekick to his favorite character, he's still on the show starring his favorite superhero. And I think that's an amazing victory for Carl. So I think this is one of Carl's best episodes to date. Probably his best episode, really, in the show. The show, all Carl's growth as a character. Showing that, you know, he doesn't always have to be the one that's scheming and lying and cheating to get his way. He can actually sacrifice things for other people and realize that maybe he doesn't deserve this kind of thing. Maybe other people need to do that and, you know, grow grow from that, and eventually he does get what he wants, in the end, in a very satisfying way. And then, silent fight. Once Carlitos falls asleep, Carl and CJ must conduct all their playing and fighting in absolute silence. So this episode is very interesting. It kind of reminds me of like a silent cartoon or like a Tom and Jerry type thing, where the episodes major majority of the episodes of ver- is very silent, where Carl and CJ are trying to be quiet, fighting while Carlitos is sick, and then he, you know, the the, the Marie, uh, Frida doesn't want them to wake uh, Carlitos up. Uh, what I what I thought about this episode was. This should have been, like, a Casa short. It felt like it dragged a little too long for my enjoyment. Even though I love, Yo know, CJ, of course, and Carl. But it felt like if they would have, like, just had it as a little short, then maybe it would have been a little better. It's kind of my same feeling for the Lynn Senior episode this season with the cricket. Should have been a short. You dragged it out a little too long. Although, the part where they take Roddy and hoodie and become sheep, I was like... Well, that was weird. Uh, but yeah, I I don't know. I, I don't have a lot of strong feelings on this one. I just think it's a very interesting concept, but not really enough for an episode. I think it should have been just a short. And then, Kick Some Bot. Sid faces off against Lisa Loud in Great Lake City's robotics competition. So I have a lot to say on this one. Uh, this one is very interesting, because what they did with this episode with Sid's character... They basically took Lincoln's plot from season one, uh, making the case, but just gave it to Sid, where Sid feels insecure about how Adelaide's winning all these competitions and trophies for all her, you know, talents and stuff, and Sid isn't getting that recognition, and she kind of vents to, to it to Roddy Ann, where it's like, oh, Adelaide's getting all this attention, but I'm not. So Roddy Ann just kind of suggests this competition where. It's very contrived, the way she just is like, hey, here's a competition, go there, I guess, <laughs> you know? Um, I, I kind of wish that Rodia would have found out about the competition through, like, Lincoln or Lisa hearing about it, but, you know, it's like, it's nice to have some little sadati, but then Rodia just never, sho- never shows up in the episode again, and she doesn't even go to, like, support her bestie in the competition that she suggests to her. It's very weird, but I do like that, you know, that, um, Becca goes to support, uh, Sid at the revised competition, showing that Becca does support both of her daughters. And then, of course, uh, Elisa pops up, which... The way that, uh, Le- that Sid actually knows Lisa was a lot different than I was expecting. Like, my bias, of course, was hoping that Ra- that Sid would know Lisa based on Rania talking about Lincoln and his sisters all the time to her, but she actually knew Lisa based on reading her newsletter... So that says a lot about Lisa's kind of ego when she's like writing a newsletter about her I guess her uh, technology, her science stuff, her robotic stuff, so she's writing a, a newsletter that Sid's a big fan of. So, Sid's been a fan of Lisa for a while, so I'm wondering if Sid actually knows that Lisa is Lincoln's sister, and it'd be really funny if like Roddy, like like Sid actually tells Roddy, and oh, I didn't win the competition, uh, Lisa Loud did, and Roddy is like, Lisa Loud, and it's like, yeah, you know her, and it's like, um, Sid, Lisa is Lincoln's sister. And Sid's like, oh, huh, I should have figured that out with them having the same last name, but I thought that was just a coincidence. (laughs) That's my headcanon. But what I really like about this episode is that, again, Sid, you know, tries really hard to win this competition, but of course, Lisa is winning because Todd is pretty awesome. And uh, in the end, like, I like that um, Lisa does win, but, like, Lisa was very impressed with what Sid did with her, uh, with breakfast bots. And they kind of hinted that maybe in the future we could see another episode where Lisa and Sid team up to build a robot together. I would love a future episode with these two together. I really like the potential of their friendship to Sid and Lisa it, it seems like a very good dynamic, and I like the ending where they both, uh, you know, dance together <laughs> with boogie. And Becca, you know, uh, reassures uh, Sid that she isn't tri- she isn't purposely just giving Adelaide attention. Adelaide's a kid, you know, she's what like six, I believe. So it's like, well, Adelaide's a kid, and kids her age want attention like that. So it's not like I'm purposely trying to give her all this attention. She's just a little kid. She gets she she desires that attention, and I understand that coming, f- coming from a parent that might be hard to get both your kids attention but when you have little kids like that they're craving attention because that's how little kids are they're like me 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 all the time so that's how adelaide is she's always wanting that attention and you understand why Sid may be jealous of her one sibling. You know, you understand with Lincoln, for example, that he comes from a big family where all of them are all his ten sisters and he's the one boy where they all have their special talents and Lincoln doesn't have anything. So you understand that he would feel kind of left out. Where Sid has talents, of course, she's into robotics and she's into k- dancing and K-pop and other things. So she ha- she's multi-talented, Sid. Kind of like Lincoln way, but she also has her main... Uh, talent, which is robotics. So you would understand why she's feeling like her parents aren't giving her enough, uh, you know, treatment or spotlight compared to Adelaide, who has all these talents and wants all the attention. So I really understand where they, they, where Sid came from. I like how they were fleshing out Sin as a character throughout the seasons like Submergency Emergency and Prank giving Sin more insecurities than just being the happy go lucky side character for Roddy And She actually has much more insecurities than that, and I really enjoyed that aspect of it, of fleshing out Sin's character th- throughout the show. And then, Salvador Doggy. When faced with a deadline and no inspiration, Frida, ties- Frida tries to use Lala's paintings as her own. So I don't really have a a lot to say on this episode. I just think it's kind of (laughs) meh. Although I was very excited for another Frida episode because I love Frida. She's my favorite castigrante. She's literally my spirit animal as I cry all the time. (laughs) But I don't know. I I don't have a lot to say on this one. Just it's a very relatable episode of someone who's an artist with Frida and her struggles of thinking that she, you know, has this deadline and she can't really get stuff done. So she sees that Lalo can paint. So she you know, gets, tries to use his paintings and co- comes up as her own. But I don't know. I don't have a lot to say on this one. I just kind of want to, you know, skip it a little bit because I don't really have a lot to say and get to the other episodes and, of course, the big episodes. So let's go from there. Then the worst job. Rodian lands the internship of a lifetime with Bruno, but will to be able to hang? So I was very, very excited for... A Focus Roddian episode. It's been forever since we've had one of these. I believe the last time we had a Focus Roddian episode was Skating Cat, like back in February. <laughs> it's been a while, so the fact that they decided to give Roddian a Focus episode before the show ended, I was very, very happy about this. I like the idea of it with Roddian doing an internship with Bruno, kind of mirroring what Lincoln did in Season 2 with Intern for the Worst, where him and Clyde interned for Flip, but Bruno was a lot more better than Flip here. <laughs> Flip, Bruno is actually a very good mentor to Ann. He gives her a lot of advice and a lot of good tips on how to, you know, survive this internship. I understand the struggle that Ann goes through. The stress of having to wake up early for a job, doing the same thing over and over, getting, like, tired and stressed out and bored of a certain part-time job and worrying about it, having dreams about it. Not dreams where I turn into a hot dog, which... I was like, Miguel Puga, are you okay over there? <laughs> like, that dream sequence was nuts. Like, this, the, 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 the the scene where she's like the, the wacky, wavy, art failure tube man, and flying in the sky, Rodia becomes a, a, a hot dog, there's Vor. It's like very, very creepy and weird. I mean, it's a good thing it she wasn't marrying a hot dog. Like, you know, I'm like, oh, is a dream sequence? What, 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 what guy is she gonna marry this time, okay? She gonna marry a hot dog? <laughs> I'm just joking. But yeah, no, I... Really, really related with Rodney in this episode where, again, there was this, this, you know, job she had. And then, of course, she was kind of getting sick and tired of doing it. So she lied to Bruno about, like, oh, like, I can't c- come into work today. I have a thing. But, of course, Bruno was, uh you he, know, he was headlining the hot dog co- hot dog eating contest and needed help because he, he couldn't just do it on his own. And, of course, Ronnie had to apologize and lie because, uh, apologize by saying, you know, I gotta, I, I, skipped out of work because I thought that this job was too difficult and hard I was stressed out. And of course, in the end, Bruno and Ronnie work worked together to get the hot dog competition on the way. And in the end, Ra- uh, Bruno actually gives Ronnie a hot dog, which he calls the Ronnie Ed special. It's sweet, but bold, just like you. And I cry rivers of tears because Ronnie Ed deserves this. <laughs> like, it's just so sweet. Like, I never really cared for Bruno up to this point. But I love this episode of how they portray him and Ronnie Ann's relationship. It's very, very sweet. Like Bruno really cares a lot about Ronnie Ann. It's a very good mentor to her. And I just love the way they approach their relationship in this episode. And how she kinda has, you know, a very good mentor to look up to with this job. Like she thought in the beginning, oh, I work for I would be working for Bruno's hot dog cart. It's gonna be so easy because they're hot dogs. How hard can it be? And then you realize how hard it actually is when you gotta memorize all the hot dogs he makes working the job, doing all the hot dog orders? Like, do like eight out? Like, do all these long shifts? Like, a, a, you'd think that a part time job would be so easy, an internship so easy, but when you actually get to do the job, you realize how stressful it is on you. And I really, really related to Roddy and in, in that situation. So I love this episode. I, it's a great episode for Roddy and specifically gives her a very realistic uh, situation where she gets into this internship slash job that she thinks that it's gonna be easy, but in the end, it's actually very hard for her, very stressful, and it's a lot of work. I think that's pretty good for insecurities actually, where it's like, oh, well I, I think this job would be easy. Oh, well, actually it's not and I'm worried about telling my boss that I actually thought this job was hard. So, I actually really, really, I really, really love this episode. I think it's a really great episode and I'm very, very happy they did a variety and focus episode before the show ended. And then, The Sound of Metal. Dreaming of DJing at the Gato's Halftime Show, Carl goes undercover with Alexis at the school band. So, Do I have a lot to say on this one? I don't know. I I was kind of hoping that Sidekick and Chicken was going to be the last focused Carl episode that does a really good job uh, developing his character. I feel like this episode backpedals a little bit from his development and does the same thing that he's done before. It's still a pretty good episode, but I don't think I have a lot to say on it other than it, it feels like the Carl episodes I've seen before, and I think Sidekick and Chicken was just a better episode for him. And then, oh boy... Alpaca Lies. Roddy and Bobby have to deal with an old friend of Arturo's, Beto the Alpaca, but Beto has it out for the kids. Boy. If Gossipy Girl is the worst episode of Season 2, Alpaca Lies may just well be the worst episode of Season 3. I... This episode is so stressful for me. It is so confusing, it is so weird, it is so bad, it's perplexing that this episode exists, okay? Like, I'm in a a, a weird ballpark here, where it's like, this episode, why this episode? Like, of all the episodes to have a Ronnie and Bobby and Arturo episode, it's this episode, where they actually make me hate Arturo more than I already did. Have a, like, here's the thing. I have a complicated relationship with Arturo. There are times where I like this guy, but then there are times where I despise him. Like episodes like Teacher's Fret, for example. I despise him in this episode. And this episode, I despise him. Like, we had this great episode with him and Bobby this season, where he was teaching Bobby all this willingness and survival skills, and being very caring towards Bobby, and worry about, his, 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 about him not being able to survive. Great episode. Wonderful. This episode, he doesn't give a flying f about his children in this episode. Like the thing about this episode is, it implies some undertones about the whole divorce with him and Maria. So he tells his kids, "Oh, so this uh, alpaca from Peru is is coming to visit that I basically raised like a like a son in the first year I was in Peru. So basically, you abandoned your children for two years in Peru to raise an alpaca just like a son." You basically replaced your children with an alpaca. And then when the alpaca comes, he's like, I'm gonna introduce you to my favorite children. And like, they're your only children. (laughs) Well, I guess now this alpaca is raised like a son. Who we haven't heard about at this point, and he never told his children that he raised this alpaca like a son. You would think that would probably be something he would have told his children, right? He would have told his uh, the, Betos, the one he raised like a son, his about his actual children and his children about this alpaca he raised like a child, right? But this alpaca is pretty much a big old jerk. Like, he hates Bobby and Rodian, he keeps blaming them for stuff, and Arturo is too dumb to realize it. And the thing about this, of course, is that Rodian and Bobby team up to try to get Beethos to do a bad thing so Arturo can see it. But when Arturo actually does see this, he's like, oh, that could be any other alpaca. That's like, oh, well, I'm so sorry that you did all this. I guess I'll have to send you back. And what they do, he's like, well, if you excuse me, I'm gonna be in the corner crying. So basically, Arturo guilt trips his children to get this alpaca to stay. And, like, it just It just made me hate Arturo more than I already did. He's so dumb in this episode. He's so oblivious to this alpaca doing bad things uh, and hurting his children. He literally throws Roddy into a a fountain and then he like, oh, I'll rescue him. He's like, oh my god, a hero. Oh my gosh, he's a hero for saving my daughter. No, he's not. He's a big old jerk. And then Ronnie and Bobby are like, oh, we feel so bad that our dad is crying over this alpaca. Let's go, let's go get him. It's like, why? And then at the end of the episode, it's like, oh, the boat's going to Peru. And then Roddy Ann, in the most like sitcom cliche I've ever seen, is like, oh no, the boat's going to Peru. I guess we're going to Peru. Shrugs. I'm like, what is happening here? Why are you not concerned that you might be going all the way to Peru? And then my friend joked about this. Like, imagine this was the last episode of Casa Grande's, right? Where they just send their- send the packing to Peru. We never see Roddy and Bobby and Arturo ever again. They just go to Peru. That would have been the end of Casa Grande's, ladies and gentlemen. I would have been like... What is happening here? Like, there was no cohesiveness with this story. They did not think this story through. It is so perplexing, so confusing. It makes me angry because again, it's a Bobby, Rodian, and Arturo episode. I was so excited for another Bobby and Rodian episode because we barely get episodes with them as siblings. I love when they team up together to to take down this alpaca. Great stuff, we love to see the siblings interacting. But Arturo is so brain dead this episode it makes me hate him more than I already did. It, why do you do that to me, Costagrandis? And the show was ending soon, so when I remember that Arturo's gonna show up in the Lori episode. If they make me hate him more in that episode, I will scream. Okay? Like it's so it's so hard because Arturo is Roddy Ed's father. I shouldn't be hating him, but I hate this guy so much that I will not sugarcoat it. Until you do better with this guy, Loud House, now that Costagrandis. Until you do better with this guy, he's he's. Arturo, swear, I swear to God. <laughs> it's just, this episode is so confusing. I don't get it. Like, I will literally forget about it. I literally forgot about it a day and I remembered it. I'm like, oh my gosh, this episode, why? You know, I, I just don't get it. It's like, nobody likes these kind of episodes where it's like, the one character is bad and blames it on the other characters that are actually, you know, Innocent, and then when Roddy ends like, oh man, this, this this stinks. That we'll have to see Beethoven every time we hang out with Dad. It was never implied in this episode that Beethoven was staying for good. They've ne- they never implied that, and then it's like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna make this work. We're gonna let him stay. Why are you letting him stay? Why is he staying? I thought he was just visiting. It's so confusing. I don't get it. It just it makes me it makes me say, Maria, you were are uh, you were you were you were good. To divorce Arturo. That's all I'm saying. Good job on you, Maria. <laughs> Thanks for getting out of that one. And now let's get into an actually good episode. Well, before the great episodes that are the, uh, sh- the uh, specials. Uh, Rocket plan. Abuela helps CJ build a rocket, but when things aren't going well, Abuela tells a little fib to preserve CJ's feelings. I love CJ so much. I was so happy they finally gave CJ a focus episode before the show ends. And I love the way they portray CJ and uh, 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 Hector's relationship in this episode. Hector is so supportive of CJ in this episode. Again, it's kind of like with Bruno. I don't like, I like Hector, but some of his episodes can be kind of okay-ish. I love the way they, they portray relationship with CJ in this one where CJ was talking about how he wanted to send a rocket to space but all his classmates had laughed at him. It's basically confirming my headcan that CJ has no friends because people make fun of him. And then Hector's like, no, you're a Grande. You can do anything. So Hector was really helping CJ build a rocket to send to space. But then of course, you know, they tried to test it out. It didn't really work. And I love that the family, like Roddy and Carl, uh, I think it's Carlota and Bobby all come to support CJ. I love seeing that. And then Hector buys like a I guess like a fake rocket or a real one to like send the space and then he lies to CJ to yo. Know- preserve his feelings, of course, and then CJ's kind of upset at him. But then they see that, actually, uh, CJ goes to rescue Hector after Hector gets, like, trapped on the rocket and sends the other rocket to space, rescuing Hector, and then CJ finally gets to send a rocket to space. But it's like, they actually send a rocket to space, and instead of NASA, they call it CASA. I love that. It's so sweet. Where it's like, Hector, Hector was like, I told you, CJ, you're a Casa Grande. You can do anything. You can put your mind to it. It's like, oh my gosh, that's so sweet. I love that. All right, let's get into the big specials from both shows, shall we? So save Royal Woods and Phantom Freakout. Oh my gosh, I have a lot to say on both of these specials, but I think I will have have a lot more to say on Phantom Freakout than I do Save Royal Woods, since I haven't seen these episodes in a while, so my memory of, of the episodes are mainly more on Phantom Freakout than Save Royal Woods, so I'll start with Save Royal Woods. When Royal Woods is in danger of being flooded to make room for a sixth Great Lake, the town comes together to prove that they're worth saving. So I think I, let me think, let me say this real quick. I love this, okay, so I love this episode, but I do have a little bit of critiques about it. Some things that my friends have pointed out to me that I do, I do actually agree on. I don't really like how this episode portrays how the townsfolk rely on Lincoln to save the town. Like, you totally get that Lincoln is the one that comes up with the idea to be the leader of the town to rally the town together to save Royal Woods because he is the man with the plan. So, but... A lot of things about this episode is like, oh, the townsfolk are supposed to be... Well, this episode was supposed to flesh out the townsfolk and how much they love Royal Woods and how much they should come together and flesh out the entire town. But in the end, it was kind of Lincoln that saved the town. Like, I remember at the end, Lincoln's like, yes, we did it, we saved the town! But then everybody's like, Lincoln, you're a hero! And it's like, but... There were some other people that did contribute, like, Flip had that giant flippy idea, like, that was a pretty good idea from Flip, but then that didn't go well. <laughs> um, and then, uh, Lincoln, of course, they tried to, um, they tried to fake some history, which technically, th- this means the Loud House movie is not canon, because they're like, oh, Royal Woods has no history, it's just the oak tree, but then we have the movie where it's implied that they're from Scotland, so they kind of do have some history, but, you know, last movie is a canon now. Um, so he tried to, like, convince uh, the lady that they have some history with, uh, I think it was King... George came to Royal Woods and stuff and of course the musical numbers in this episode are amazing. This is a this is an actual musical episode compared to like real live music. I love the songs of this. I love the villain song. I love the the song that's basically kind of a Hamilton a parody where Lincoln gets to rap. Oh my gosh. Okay, so I do want to say this. Asher Bishop is iconic, of course, as Lincoln. He is, to me, the quintessential Lincoln, but I think, Bretley Griffin, after this episode, like, we were all like, oh, well, Astro Bishop is the Lincoln. No one can replace that Lincoln. But after this episode of Save Our Woods and seeing Bretley was actually able to sing li- li- just like Astro would, and the way that he was able to rap, of course, in the, uh, the rap song, and, of course, the uh, Right Where We Belong song, amazing just like the 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 beginning of the right where we belong a uh, song where he's just singing about uh you know royal woods and then of course that tree of heads where i first read a savvy comics in my underwear just he just absolutely killed it in this episode like after that i was just like yeah lincoln's in good hands now <laughs> after that after that i saw that and Brentley could sing just like Astra could so i figured like they probably wanted Lincoln to sing more in the show. So they were like, okay, Aster's out now. We get somebody else. We better get somebody who can sing too. Bretley, can you sing? Yeah, I-, I can. All right, you're in. <laughs> you know, so I absolutely love the way that Bretley sang in this, this episode. I want to I wanna hear the songs again because, of course, there's supposed to be two shorts that correlate with the Flippy song and the Save Royal Woods music video is supposed to be extended, but they haven't aired them yet officially. They got aired in, like, on, like, Nicktoons and we still haven't gotten those shorts. So hopefully eventually they show us those shorts officially on Nickelodeon. But Save Royal was is probably my favorite special to date. And that's saying something because my favorite special... My favorite special up to this point was last Thanksgiving from season three. And Save Royal Woods knocked that out of the park. Because one, it was a musical special, which I've been waiting for. And it's exactly how I pictured a musical special unlike like, uh, really live music. Two, Lincoln got to sing, sing it and it was amazing. Three, I love the, all, all the townsfolk, you know, uh, interacting here. Just the, the, the animation in this. The animation of when Lincoln gets up on the pole when he's, you know, spinning around the pole uh, during the song, the Right Where We Belong song absolutely beautiful, one of my favorite pieces of animation in the show so far and of course the homages to the intro of the Loud House where Link is in the three corners and of course having all the siblings in the blocks right where we belong, they're all in their distinct colors for the intro, I love that, I just love the color palette in the special and I love everything about it even though again I had my gripes where it's oh Lincoln is the one that saves the day not the townsfolk all coming together I still love the way that this episode was was really handled in terms of being a musical episode and I really really enjoyed it and last but certainly not least we have Phantom Freakouts Roddy and the gang, well, technically Roddy and Sid, because it's not Roddy and the gang. Although I guess you could say gang as in Roddy Ann, Sid, Lincoln, and Clyde, but this is wrong. It should be Roddy and Sid are going to be in 12 is Midnight's new music video. But things go awry when a ghost wrecks it in the concert hall. The kids at 12 is Midnight have to find out how to appease the ghost and quick. So yes, this is the big episode. This is the one where finally we get not just Roddy and and Lincoln, not just Roddy Ann, Sid, and Lincoln, but Roddy and Sid, Lincoln, and Clyde all together, the OT4 in an entire special. Grande knew they had to go out with a bang, and this was it. And what I absolutely love about Phantom Freakout, of course, I'm going to be freaking out because I love this episode. It is probably my favorite special of this entire season. Yeah, it's a great episode. Like, what I love about it specifically is the focus on the characters. Like, this is the first special in Grande that I could think of where it doesn't have the entire Casa Grande's family in it it's just rody and sid and at the beginning you always see rosa and maria i believe those are the only two that show up i does, does Sergio show up? I actually don't know. Yeah, it's like Rosa and Maria always show up, but it's only focused on Roddy and Sid during the beginning, going to the 12 Midnight Music Video, and then Lincoln and Clyde show up in the beginning, mind you. They show up in the first act, and then they're there in the first act, and then continue on into the second half. They looked at like what what Curse did in terms of Casa Casa Lau crossover and fixed that because in Curse the Laus don't show up until the second part of the episode. Although Lincoln does show up, uh, Lincoln and Laura to show up in the cameo in the first part, but that's a phone cameo. And then they show up in the second half. In this one, Lincoln and Clyde do show up on the phone as a phone cameo, but it's like uh, they were in the city. The thing about it is like they actually don't, they actually don't explain why Lincoln and Clyde are in the city because Lincoln is like, oh, hey, Rodney, Clyde and I are in Great Lakes City with your dad. uh, Clyde and I are in Great Lakes City with his dad. You want to hang out later? (laughs) Like, I just imagine like Clyde told Lincoln that He's going to the city with his uh, dads for something. Like, maybe they went for, like, a antique convention or something. And Lincoln's, like, great, like, city. And he's like, yeah, can I come? He's like, yeah, yeah, sure, why not? It's like, because I want to see Brian in. Okay, okay, you can come, you can come. <laughs> so it's like, you want to hang out later? And... Ryan's right? like, no, there's, there's like this these strange things happening, and Lincoln and Clyde are like, what kind of strange things? And that's when they're like, oh, that's a ghost. We'll be right over, and so they get, they get to be in their ghost gear for this episode, and. Basically Casa heard my critique of the ghost chicken episode when there was a ghost chicken and the Casa Grande's had no idea how to get rid of it. I was screaming, Roddy right and call Lincoln, call Lincoln, call Lincoln She literally like okay, so Lincoln calls her obviously. But then when it's like, Oh we will be right over she basically tells the director of the Twelve has been that music video where we, we already have ghost we already have we already have ghost hunting experts coming, so she knows that they're experts. I love that. I love that Roddy and has that, you know, has that um what is it? Like, she, she has that admiration for Lincoln and Clyde, of course. So, seeing all four of them in the special is insane. Like, see, like, you know, when you think about how the first time Lincoln met Sid, that's crazy, right? And then you see all four of them in the special, that's insane. Especially because we never thought that Clyde would ever be in Casta Grande's. And let alone, we get an interaction between him and Sid. It's amazing. Like, she's asking Clyde, oh, who's your favorite band member? And she's, like, very excited. And then she's like, you can tell me later. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's really great. I love that slide moment. You gotta love some slide moment. We get, like, a little- we get little pieces of each of the, uh, you know, uh, uh, uh ships or OTPs of the OT4. We get Roddy Kid, of course, with the phone call and, you know, a little bit of them in the episode. We get some Sid Kid- I love that moment where, um, uh, I guess, uh, I think it's Yu Kwan. Gives Linkin one of the band members and sits like, No shade, but this is a fan club member's job. Linkin's like, Understood. <laughs> like, it's just like, oh eh, Yeah, I, I get you. <laughs> it's very cute. I love the moment where Clyde is eating the cupcakes and Roddy and just, you know, sh- uh, just shrugs. Like, she just nods her head, like, Oh, oh Clyde, that's, what a dork. <laughs> yeah, of course, and the slide moment, iconic. Just, I love seeing all four of them together. They have the cutest, like, friendship ever. I really hope in the future if we get more Lao crossovers and we get more of these ot4 just seeing them all together is great and again what i love about the special is that it's very focused again like on the characters they're all together throughout this entire special with 12 is midnight i love 12 is midnight they're really great in the special and so the course being very creepy <laughs> with you and kwan and of course oh wait i, I, I totally can't forget the yeah, iconic kind of roddy kim moment where roddy and we're like um Lincoln and Clyde are trying to like press the buttons to get the ghost out. They stop him at first, and Rodian and goes, Lincoln, I think you busted the ghost. And then she's the one that runs into the hug, and that's when uh, Clyde goes on the other side, and Lincoln's hugging both of them. Absolutely iconic. But again, I'm just saying Ronnie is the one that went to go hug Lincoln first. I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, it would've been nice if Sid was it was in there, so it could've been OT four hugs and an OT three hug. But she was kind of busy hugging you, Quad. But of course, Rodian like Sid just stepped out of the way for Rodian to hug Lincoln. So since a wig man there <laughs> absolutely iconic thank you thank you thank you puka for that one ronnie kid moment in the special <laughs> there's not a lot of ronnie kid in the special sadly but when they're standing next to each other i'm like Roddy kid <laughs> it's like hey hey puka um, um and i think the uh the mystery of it is very good it has a very good like insight into the music industry and how the ghost was like trying to get rid of all the pop uh, people instead of, like, uh, classical music. is like, oh, pop music isn't actually music. And Yu Kwan's like, I had 12 years of piano lessons before I become a pop star, you know? So they had to prove to the ghosts that they actually can do classical music than just doing K-pop music. And then at the end, of course, they decided, um, to instead not be in the music video. They're like, the director's not around, so who will be the director? And Link is like, we can record the video. So... Technically, Roddy and Sid didn't actually get to be in the music video. They got to record the music video, which I felt was a little bit of a downer. That's the only critique I have this episode is that Roddy and Sid technically didn't get to be in the music video, but at least they got to record it and be around 12 is midnight for an entire special to save them from a ghost. So I guess that's the rewarding part. And again, I just love seeing the ot 4 together. And the ending of this episode makes me smile every time where they all are lifted up to the, to the, they're all lifted up like ghosts and then sits like come on guys let's all let's all fit fa- let's all fangirling out ah, that's a 10 i want you that that's a nine i want you to be at 900 Ah, you know they're all freaking out i love it it's the cutest ending ever just absolutely adorable although i have to do another critique of this episode whoever anime Clyde Forgot that Clyde has only one tube. Clyde has full teeth in this episode, and I don't know, like, Kasa, you should have model sheets for this. Clyde looks so off-model, and I didn't realize this until after the episode. I'm like, wait, Clyde has a full set of teeth. He should have one too. <laughs> they get Lincoln right, and not Clyde. It, it's it's like Clyde's clone. It's like we have Clyde at home, Clyde at home in this episode. <laughs> but no, I just, I really love this episode. There's so much I could fangirl about in this episode, but I don't want to keep this episode too long. But I absolutely adore this episode. I think it's amazing. It's my favorite special of Casa Grande's and my favorite episode of this season. I mean, of course, again, it's it's obvious because I love Lincoln and Clyder in it, but I just love that all of them are together in this episode, working as a team with 12 is midnight to figure out why this ghost is chasing them around. And I just absolutely adore this episode. I think it's amazing. I would love to watch it again. I can't remember a lot from it, but I just love when, like, Lincoln and Clyde first show up and they're like, uh, like, Sid is like, you guys bring all that ghost hunting equipment with you to a city, meet, to to the city with your parents, and Clyde's like, we bring it everywhere. <laughs> and then finally paid off. Now, where's the ghost? And Rodney is like, oh, you know, everywhere <laughs> and 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 the director's like like how old are you guys to be ghost hunters and it's like and like it's like you do your thing and we'll do ours pose <laughs> it's just so great I just I just love this episode it's just so great and, and it's just amazing. I just I just can't stop gushing about it. I love that I love Phantom Freak out so much. <laughs> So yeah, that's all the new episodes of The Loud House and the Casagrandes that aired. So again, we'll see you next time in September when we get more new episodes of The Loud House in September, September 5th and September 9th. And hopefully we get more episodes announced and even the ending of Casagrande Season 3. So we'll see you next time on Loud Chats.